When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to another mini pod uh, of Tennis Unfiltered with me, James Gray of iNews.co.uk and a slightly jet lagged uh, Calvin Betton. I think slightly might be an understatement given what I've been hearing of uh, sleep schedule. Calvin, how are you feeling? Uh, yeah, yeah, I'm all right for the time being, but um, yeah, it was a bit. I mean, I, I, the thing was, I actually don't know how long I was up for. What with the time. Um, time differences and what have you. I know that the journey was the journey was twenty six. The journey was twenty four hours plus three hours train from the airport, um, and then I was up from like eight that morning, and we flew at nine. So God knows how long I was. I just think maybe thirty six <laughs> hours I was up for. I think. Okay. Um, and and you've yeah. had some sleep, but the old circadian rhythms might take a while. Yeah, I mean, I, I I went to sleep pretty much. Just got in and just like dumped my bags and like just couldn't even bring myself to shower and what have you. Just literally dumped my bags, went on my bed and fell asleep, and then woke up again at about eleven o'clock last night for about an hour, and then I think woke up again at about half three, four o'clock this morning. It's not too bad. Four a.m. not bad for an opening bid, I would suggest. Yeah, it was um, weird, you know. You know, it was strange because I was like, I was just laid in bed thinking like. You know, I was listening to a couple of podcasts and was wide awake at that stage. I thought, could do what you know, might watch something on telly, but nothing on it. Didn't click that the tennis was on in the middle of the night here. <laughs> I was thinking that it's like I'm going to be getting up at like eleven and the tennis will be on then, you know. But um, so I did. I wish I, I could have watched more of Medvedev and her catch. I ended up watching the third of uh, sorry, the fourth and fifth sets, but I was awake for the whole of it and just wasn't watching it. <laughs> well, let's start with Medvedev and Herkesh then. Um, Medvedev reaching his eighth major semi-final with a five-set win. Um, probably didn't expect it to go five, although Herkesh has got a pretty good record against Medvedev, Calvin. I wonder, I wonder how you saw those last two sets. Yeah, I mean, they played out a lot like a lot of Herkesh matches do, where he looks great, plays really well. He can look a really great player. Um, like just in terms of the aesthetic of how he plays, like you know he's aggressive, play all court, that kind of thing, but just doesn't really get it over the line against the top players, does he? Often mm. enough. Do you think that's just like a lack of a real killer weapon? He's obviously got a big serve and and you know good rally resistance, but it feels like he can't kill matches off particularly. I don't think it's te- I don't think it's his shots particularly. I think he's just a, I mean you know. I don't entirely buy into this idea that if you're a nice person, you can't be a great sports person. But he does seem like a really good guy, and I think that that's. <laughs> I think it's one of those as well that like it wouldn't surprise me if he does get a few wins if he just starts having the belief that he can do it. But he does get to that stage, and I say this a lot, like that you know, choking is when you're some living somewhere between fear and hope. He does come into that category a lot where he hits a lot of shots where it looks like he's hoping they go in rather than that he's certain they're going in. Kind of the opposite from Zverev, who we just watched, who most of his shots, other than his backhand and his serve, are pretty gunk, but he thoroughly believes that they're brilliant, and so he makes some of them in key moments. 
On the other side of the net, Daniil Medvedev has been through two five-setters now. He also played four sets against your mate Nuno Borges um, and, well, three and a bit sets against Terence Atamon in the in the first round. Did you see... I mean, he said he felt pretty knackered. Did you see any signs that, that he might be starting to run out of puff? It's tough to tell, isn't it? He always looks knackered, doesn't he? He hardly <laughs> looks like he's... I, it actually struck me, you know, I was watching some of that match in the middle of the night. It struck me that I don't think there's any player that's... I think yeah, Daniel Medvedev's a completely unique player in in the history of the game in terms of how he plays and his physical stature and what have you. But with that in mind, what what we just discussed there, I, I figured... I, I had a thought that probably the player who I think he's closest to, and this is not me saying that they are close because there's a lot of differences, but I think the player that I would say he's most similar to in recent times is probably Andy Murray. In the mm. just the way that like like Murray always had Murray, you know, for a for a player who made whose game was making a lot of balls, Murray was quite a big guy. I think he's like six six three or six four, I think. Um and he always had a big first serve, like a big flat first serve. His second serve was a bit average. But, you know, he made a lot of balls and found ways of putting his opponents in awkward positions. And similarly, struggled with putting away mid-court balls. He was never that good. And, and, and I think in that respect, then, in that they're both tall, both make a lot of balls, both get a lot of balls back, both have good first serves, both struggle to put away mid-court balls. That those two are pretty. That that's where you know those Murray and Medvedev I think are pretty similar in that respect. There are differences beyond that. Murray's a much better volleyer. He has much more variation in his game than Medvedev does. Do you think then? I mean, there are other similarities in terms of results. Medvedev's made five Grand Slam finals and only won one, which you know Murray obviously made five and didn't win any to begin with. Do you think they might end up with quite similar looking careers by the end of it? <laughs> Yeah, I, th- I think they probably will. I, th- I think that Medvedev will probably end up with three, maybe. Although I'm not entirely convinced that, as you know, me and George have discussed, I'm not entirely convinced that he'll win anymore. He might do, but I think he'll be around about three. If he does, I think he'll probably end up having a sing- similar career to Murray. I think Murray will have been a better player than Medvedev. Mm. But I, I think that, um, you, you know, because Medvedev really has to contest with Djokovic, and Djokovic passed his prime as much as brilliant as he still is, an up and coming, um, up and coming Alcaraz. Um, but Murray had to compete with, in their prime, Federer, Nadal, Djokovic, plus in their prime, Wawrinka, Del Potro as well. Mm. Um is going to play Alexander Zverev in the semi-finals on Friday after he beat Carlos Alcaraz in. Four sets, a match that has literally just finished about 10 or 15 minutes ago. Yes, it is nearly 2 a.m. here in Melbourne, which might explain a few things about this podcast. But anyway, um, Calvin, we were... We were I'm, I'm surprised, James. Being that you mentioned the time there, I'm surprised that having that extra day, 10 days ago, didn't affect the time, what time tonight's <laughs> match finished. Yes, Craig Tiley's efforts to, to cancel late nights by adding one more day to the tournament. Made absolutely no I'm intrigued. Just, we'll, come back to the match. We'll, we'll come back to the match, James, in a minute. But I'm intrigued as to... Because Craig Tiley seems to get a real, real free ride with the media about everyone loves the Aussie Open, so they constantly praise him. But he seems to get a real free pass with this scheduling thing. 
Like I'd seen yesterday that somebody had tweeted that, well, on yesterday's schedule, like the commentators were blaming everything. They were saying, oh, you know, some of them should have switched courts, etc., etc. And they came up with all these reasons as to why the matches were running late. And nobody actually blamed Craig Tiley for his obsession with two, two sessions, getting two lots of paying customers in and doing that by starting matches later. Um, well, I suppose there's two different types of media going on there. I can assure you the print media do not, or the written media do not give them a free ride. But, you know, what you have to remember is broadcasters are actually partly the people in control of these schedules. You know, when, when those scheduling yeah, yeah. decisions are made, it is Channel 9 who are in the room saying, actually, we want this or we want that. It's Channel 9 who are saying, well, if we're going to move a match, let's move this one or whatever. Um, so that's probably why they're not that critical of it, because they're actually involved in that decision-making, um, to, to be quite frank. Yeah, it has been hard work this week. There's no... I've come to the conclusion, though, there is no solution to this night match thing, if you're going to have day matches as well, because... You can do it like the French do, where it's just they have one match, and then if that match is quick, you feel like you've been shortchanged if, you, if mm. you're a paying customer. Or you can do it like the others do, where it's two matches. And if you're going to have a five set match, a best of five set match, and a best of three set match, chances are, and you're going to start at seven o'clock, which you've kind of got to do if it's a night session. Don't think you can start at six, really. People are still, still just leaving work. So you've got to start at seven o'clock earliest. But if you're going to have two tennis matches, one of which is the best of five setter, you're probably going to be going pretty late, especially yeah, as the I, tournament goes on and the, and the players are evenly matched. You're not wrong. Um, I think they had Legends doubles on yesterday at 12 o'clock, which pushed everything back, which meant the night session started two and a half hours late. That didn't need to happen. Uh, I think... The, the other thing about, yeah, the 6 o'clock versus 7 o'clock, you can't move the news in Australia, apparently. Um, it's very important. Everyone watches the news for an hour at 6 o'clock every night, so they say. So um, they can't move that. I, I think – I know what Dicko would say um, if he were here, which is that uh, tennis is getting slower, the matches are getting longer, and that's the, actually the bigger problem that needs to be addressed. And, and I think that's probably true, like – even even some quite standard matches now take a long, long time when really, you know, it's 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 partly a, a sort of situational thing. So that that's that's my two cents. And, and we've talked before, Calvin, about tennis getting slower and longer. Like it, it is happening and I think they need to wake up and realise that it's happening. Um, I, saw, I saw a strange accusation of one of the reasons why it's getting slower earlier on that and again, it was. I mean, you know my position, James. We discussed it last um, last week on the pod about allowing fans to come in uh, whenever they want and not waiting mm. for the change of ends. The commentators earlier, I think it was Simon Reed and Joe Jury, were saying that by doing that, you're slowing the game down because you have to stop and let them in. But I was like, why do you have to stop and let them in? They can exactly. just walk if they they can just walk in. Mm. You, you, mm. You're like, well, what do we have to stop the game for? As long as they're walking in cordially and they're not making you know not making a big racket out of it why do you have to why do you have to wait for them all the time us mm. open don't mm. Mm. no he's that's exactly it um and players i i've always said players just get on with it right, speaking of getting on with it um let's talk about the main match of the night Zverev versus alcaraz um carlos alcaraz beaten in four sets it looked like it would be three when uh, alexander Zverev served for the match 
just before midnight, I was ready to go home. Uh, and yet Alexander Zverev, as he has so many times in various different ways, let us all down. Uh, but he did get over the line in the end. Six one six three six seven six four. A pretty remarkable serving performance in the first two sets. He only missed four first serves across the two first sets. Calvin, if Carla, if uh, Alexander Zverev serves like that, there is very little anyone can do about it, right? Um, yeah, actually, what well, on the way back, um, me and Henry were on the same flight as Lloyd Glasspool, and we were sat down having some food in the middle of the night. I don't like we were having chicken and rice at like. 4.30am I think in Doha airport and we got into a conversation as to who the best server in the world is um, and I said that it's a difficult one to judge that because I think the best first server in the world is Alex Verev but his second serve is pretty gunk but if he's serving at 85% then doesn't matter how gunk his second serve is because he's going to win tennis matches or he's going to be tough to break at least What's the kind of mindset? I mean, it must be so difficult as a as a player when someone's serving like that because y- you must feel under so much more pressure on your own service games. Well, yeah, I mean, as, you know, I had similar situation actually because when Henry and Francisco lost in Melbourne to Neil Skupski and Santiago Gonzalez, those two guys served that eighty six percent for the for the match, and Santi Gonzalez served that ninety three percent himself. And the thing that you just keep saying to yourself is just stick in because they can't continue doing this. There will be a drop or even if in one game they drop. But in that get match the other day, that doubles match and in Zverev's match today, it didn't drop. They just kept going on. You know, that's just how it went. And that's a really one of the, the really strange things about serving, I think. And I've, I've thought this for many years that when a player starts off with a certain percentage, you can kind of get it in over the first four games. It's remarkable how that percentage tends to stay the percentage through the match. And it doesn't really waver just on one day place will turn up and they're just serving at that percentage. And it just stays at that. Whereas you'd think that there'd be more up and downs, but they're not often it's especially in a five set. You'd think there'd be more up and downs, but, not often is, you know, so he basically set the tone and that's reserved that. I will say that the thing is, the thing is with Zverev is that with his height and he has quite a nice service action, it it's t- you can see why he makes so many of them. That he basically just has to hit the ball down because he can bounce it because he's so high. He can take away the net really out of it and he can just bounce it down. So I do think he will always have quite a high first serve percentage. And in terms of Carlos Alcaraz, I mean, uh, for for me, and I was there at the French Open semi-final when he cramped up against Djokovic and went to pieces. I, I thought there were a lot of similarities between that match and this one because he looked nervous, he looked lost, he played an atrocious first set. All right, maybe if he played well, Zverev still would have won, he was serving that well. But it does start to strike me that Carlos Alcaraz has got a bit of a nerves problem. I mean, yeah, at the start, but then when he'd won the second, he looked like he was loving life. Like he was he was having things laughing with the crowd and um and he'd really relaxed. And at that stage, I mean we were talk- chatting in our WhatsApp group and I I thought he was gonna win it then because I thought he'd just fully relaxed. And to be fair, the game that he lost his serve on, 
that was a concentration thing, I think. I don't think that was nerves. I think he just he just fully like I think he thought he thought himself, I've got this now and he just played a, a bad game. Mm. Mm. So you don't think there's, there's much to be concerned for Carlos Alcaraz? I, I, no, this I, I don't. I, look, it's that one again. You know, Jim Courier always says it that there's there's no experience for nerves when it comes. It just comes, and there's nothing you can do about it. There's not, you know, there's he he said. I remember Courier saying once that he's he served for Grand Slams and not felt remotely nervous, and he's been a nervous wreck in the second round of a two fifty. Um, when serving for a match, and that that it really is the in my experience, both both playing and with and in coaching, that is genuinely how it works out. I've I've seen great play, very good players who I coach, great players, and that you can see they're just tight at the weirdest moments, and then at other moments they'll serve out the biggest matches they've they've played in. It it just mm. happens, and I, I don't think having done what Carlos Alcaraz has done at his age. I, I don't think that he we can say he has a nerves problem. I just don't. Mm. Yeah. Um, let's look ahead to the semi-final that t- today has set up then. Daniil Medved against Alexander Zverev. Anyone who's seen the latest season of uh, Breakpoint on Netflix will know that these two do not get on mm. and that defeat for Zverev in Monte Carlo last year hit him extremely hard. Um, the footage of him sobbing in the uh, dressing room was particularly... Uh, instructive um it, it it's not the most mouth-watering tennis matchup though is it calvin no i mean just just before i come on to that james just go back onto the, the the nerves thing with alcaraz there and i'll say that you know they highlighted because of the matches but it's basically all about two matches i think maybe three if you count medvedev in the u.s open whereas if you look at the last three or four years you can probably say that Djokovic has had that many matches where he's been overly nervous mm. and hasn't mm. come together. You know, you can say Wimbledon, you can say Wimbledon this year, you could say US Open year before last were two matches where he basically just went to pieces. Um, mm. You mm. know, so, yeah. But anyway, yeah, the match, uh, Medvedev does Zverev. Yeah, I think it's it's a weird one, isn't it? Because there, there is this rivalry where we know they don't like each other, but and and they've well Medvedev, <laughs> Medvedev always comes up with that he, he that Zverev thinks that they're mates but they're not mates. I don't know if Zverev actually hates Medvedev. Um, Medvedev can't stand Zverev. I know that, but it doesn't really seem to manifest itself in the matches other than when Medvedev does a bit of shit housing. Like <laughs> if you know what I mean? It's like if you didn't know that they hated each other when the matches are on, you wouldn't know. At all. It's not like in the old days when McEnroe and Connors used to play each other and it was quite obvious that they couldn't stand each other because they'd be snarking at each other the whole match. Whereas Medvedev and Zverev, they kind of just play the match, you know, as as they do. Medvedev does a bit of shit out. Him, but he does that all the time. Zverev acts like he's Mr. Wonderful. He does that all the time. And then after the match in the press conference, they have a bit of a sniping at each other. But it, in the actual match, it's not like it's drama filled because they hate each other. Hmm. Mm. Um, and I'm going to ask you to stick your neck out for a prediction on Medvedev versus Zverev. Then I think Medvedev will beat him because he tends to beat him usually all the time. I think Zverev might have one or two wins against him, but I think Medvedev just backs himself 
especially on these courts, to, to just beat Zverev unless it goes horribly wrong. Yeah, um, they've got an 11 and 7 head to head in Medvedev's favour, but six of the, uh, sorry, five of those came for Zverev before 2020. And since 2020, Daniil Medvedev has won all bar two, which I think probably backs up your point there. Um, just a quick look in case I don't speak to you before uh, the other semi final, Djokovic against Sinner. Um, it's the matchup I guess we all wanted because they're all those narrative based matches at the end of last year. Who are you picking? I think Djokovic will win. You've got to pick Djokovic, but I, I think it'll be... I'm, I'm interested to see what, you, you know, just how relevant those matches at the end of last year are, being that this is now in Djokovic's real arena and it's best of five. I think we might find that... I know everyone kept going, like, last, at the end of last year, they kept going, oh, he's, he's won three out, of three out of three against Djokovic at the end of the year. Like, one of them was a doubles. Like, I think we might be mm. about to find that that doubles match wasn't and that doubles match in Davis Cup wasn't entirely relevant to how a day, to how a Grand Slam semi final is going to play out. <laughs> All right, I, I look forward to the thousands of words I wrote about that last year being completely irrelevant, as they usually are. Um, yeah, <laughs> listen, Calvin. Hopefully, we'll get you back um, as the week goes on. Maybe at weird hours of the day, given your jet lag, but. Thanks, as always, for having uh, for us having you. Thank you for listening, and uh, come back tomorrow. Right, beautiful. Sports Social Podcast Network.